Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We're in the book of Philippians here, marching Woo-hoo. through. So chapter three is today. And there's just there's just so much. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's not even very many verses. Uh, but we're just going to march through the chapter like we usually do and then kind of pull out what's standing out. And then um, as you guys flesh this out with your family or your roommates, I mean, I, this is all part of it. Like this is kind of where we're at and what we're bringing out of the text. But share what the scripture is doing with you guys too in your mm-hmm. context and in your heart. Um, so just keep that in mind as we walk through it today. Just really special to be able to do this together. So thanks for joining us. All right. Starting at verse one, it says further, my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Ooh, dropping (laughs) name calling here. Look out. Strong. The first couple of verses, just like when Paul wrote to some of the other churches in the epistles, he's saying, Mm -hmm. don't give in to people who say you need to follow some ritual or tradition to be truly saved. Because here there are people who still held on to like the Old Testament law of Moses right. and believe that men needed to be circumcised in order to be saved, mm-hmm. which is not true. Thank God that's not a thing today. Uh, many Christians have been deeply scarred, like on a more serious note about things today, Yeah, deeply scarred emotionally by people in the church who claim to be on a pursuit of like godliness and holiness, but really under the under the table, we're trying to benefit themselves and misuse power. And under the guise of guarding the gospel from false teaching, they swayed people and opinions um, in different directions and totally misused and manipulated situations. Kind of a crazy story. In seminary, I had a friend named Jesse who was working at a smaller church in the area. And they're trying to love the community, doing the best they can. And uh, by small church, I mean like less than 100 people probably like 50, 60. Mm-hmm. One day they had an influx of newcomers and they were like, this is an answered prayer. And these newcomers mm-hmm. came in and they had started attending regularly and then became members of the church and 20, 30, 40 people came in. Mm-hmm. And over time what had happened was they these people became members and then looked at the bylaws of the church and then voted to get themselves to be on the elder board. Oh, that's right. And then basically took the church over themselves. Right. We want to go this direction. And 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 sold it. Yeah. And pocketed the money. Oh. Like total. Yeah. It did it legally, but total misuse of of funds and of property and of like really the church politics, the church um, polity, Hmm. how it was set up. And so it's just so sad. And I was with him in seminary as this was happening. Mm-hmm. And so, like most movies, it seems like the bad guy is the villain, but oftentimes now in scripture, or not in scripture, in movies and TV shows, the villain's depicted as a Christian. And about last year, there was a season of Last of Us, which I honestly haven't watched anything a of A season it. of what? It's called Last of Us. It's oh, with okay. um, I don't know. the dude who plays Mandalorian. Uh, I think it was like apocalyptic, zombie-esque. Okay. This guy and girl were on the run. But anyways, there's a bad guy, and... Mm-hmm the bad guy pulls out his Bible and reads it before he like went and did the bad guy does whatever. And Rain (laughs) Wilson, who is another famous actor went to Twitter to say, why is it always now that the villains are Christians or depicted as using the Bible to justify their, their villainous schemes. Yeah. And it's like, man, this is tough. And so as I translate 
this to where you and I are right now in our cultural moment. I feel like a lot of Christians are hesitant to call out false teaching in fear of being canceled or being labeled as some kind of extremist. And the truth of the matter is, we only have orthodoxy. We have the Bible because of the Spirit's power, but also because of the people who have stood up over the years to fight for truth. Um, and so when I think about church history and where we're at today, it's like, hey, you got to keep fighting for the truth and walking in grace and speaking kindly and letting your conversation be seasoned with salt. And I want to add something here before yeah. you go on to Marcion. Another thing, even statistically, that we understand is Christians don't want to talk about the Bible because Christians are Bible illiterate. Yeah, we it's, are it's not spending and. time in yeah. the Word. And so I think, it, I don't know the statistic, I'm not going to quote it. I can't remember the exact references or even the real numbers, but I just remember being shocked by how high the numbers were. Yeah. And it was like, okay, so that's another thing. I think that people are like, well, you know, is this really what the Bible, we kind of did that with the book study, mm-hmm. how not to read the Bible where it's like, Hey, here's some odd passages. Um, you know, let's talk about them. Let's figure it out. Yeah. So that way, even though there's mystery and we understand that, that, you know, God's the God of the cosmos and there's things in our finiteness that we just surrender to him. There are a lot of things that are known in scripture yes. that we can actually say with great conviction, the Holy Spirit's help. That's not right. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. You, We need to submit to the church body and talk about this. And so anyway, that's just another yeah, that's a, that's a great but. point because going back to the scripture, the first three verses we read, he's saying, watch out for the dogs, these evildoers, right. those mutilators of the flesh, because people are misconstruing scripture to meet their own means yes. and agenda. And so for you and I today, it's imperative that we know the Bible, but they're really kind and gracious as you speak the truth. And you have to yeah. have conviction. When you go back in church history, there was this leader named Marcion. He was one of the leaders of the church in Rome where Marcion began to advocate for his position and People told him, be quiet, be quiet about your ideas, all these things. Um, Marcion was content to work within the established church and structures, and this guy was no good. He started going sideways um, on on what was being offered to him. The Church of Rome offered him a bunch of money. Nevertheless, leaders of the church, Roman, the Roman church excommunicated him in AD 144, mm-hmm. and there was a big campaign to like stop his teachings. Mm-hmm. And we have to be grateful they did because the essence right. of Marcion's religion was on the existence of there being two gods. Yeah. And people think that today too. Like there's the Old Testament God and there's the New Testament God. And the mm. Old Testament God is violent and has war and does you know terrible things or allows terrible things to happen. And the New mm. Testament God is Jesus and he's really nice and he loves babies and kids and this is it. Well, to, to support his idea, Marcion accepted the authority of Scripture only in heavily ed- edited editions of some of the Gospels and a few of Paul's letters. And the church stood mm-hmm. up against him right. and said, no, we we're not going to allow this to happen. The Gospel's been distorted and it's un- unrecognizable right now because of what you've done. And uh, the faith, like Jude 3 says, the faith that was once for all, the entrusted to the saints, has become a shipwreck, exactly. And so people said, nope, we're going to call this out. And then from this came creeds, confessions, churches gathering together to, again, come to understand what do we believe about the Bible and why? Mm -hmm. And can we refute what's happening right now, whether it's within the the walls of the quote-unquote church or it's the church combating stuff of the world? 
I'm so grateful for that. I, Clark and I say this often after Sunday morning, just um, for the people who uh, work and serve in our worship arts ministry, because I actually did not grow up saying the creeds and confessions that we have kind of in our historical faith background here at Emmanuel. And so to be able to say these things that saints for years and year, hundreds of years have identified and said so now us along with them, we're declaring this. I am, I'm just really grateful to get to do that. And then yeah, even the language that says, I believe, I believe, I believe, like we're, we've kind of walked through our, the apostles creed with our kids. And it's kind of one thing to study and gain knowledge and understanding of the mm. biblical text. It's another thing to say, like Paul says in the New Testament, he's like, I'm convinced. Yeah. Like, I believe. I actually, with all that I am, I'm submitting not just my brain power to this, but my body, my money, my everything that I am. I'm, I, I believe this. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something too. Just moving forward, that's like we're fighting for truth, not just about some kind of like philosophical truth, but about something that we deeply believe that's been a gift to us. That's this the biggest thing in history. Yeah. And so... Grateful for that. And and that's kind of what Paul's getting at here when he's talking about like, this is why I'm passionate about this issue, because you're you're actually making a mockery of it. For it is it's we who are the circumcision. This is verse three. We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Jesus Christ and who put no confidence mm-hmm. in the flesh. And so when he's saying we are the circumcision, I, I feel like this is why it's so fun to read the Bible together. Because if you're alone yeah. at your kitchen table, you're like, what? What is he talking about? <laughs> and so me, birds and the bees conversation. What's honestly, here? It's, it's, it's such good language and imagery, though. He's saying we're Christians. We now um, we are the people, the true people of God. And so there's Old Testament um, shat foreshadowing of this. If you kind of go back into Deuteronomy and read about it, that talk about real change that needed to occur. And it wasn't by any, like cutting anything physically, any skin or anything, <laughs> but it was by the creation of it, of a new heart, by the gift of a new heart. So Deuteronomy ten sixteen says, we circumcise, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff necked any longer. Mm. And then again, in Deuteronomy um, chapter 30, verse six, the Lord, your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your life. And so, I mean, we know that from Ezekiel. So there's just these passages that have yeah. given us a picture of things then that, you know, it's like, how do, wow, what, what, what do we understand mm-hmm. about this? That now the church in Philippi is living in. Yeah. And so it's a really important word from Paul saying, Hey, it was a people group before. And it was, you know, a sign and a seal for sure that we did this. And now we're walking in a new way with Holy Spirit. There's no rule following. There's no traditions. There's no rituals you and I can do that will make us um, acceptable, acceptable to God. It's the work of the spirit in us through our repenting and our believing. Now what happens through verses four, five, and six is the people are kind of pushing back on Paul. Like, why should we listen to you? And Paul just drops his resume. He's just like, boom, I was Mm. circumcised on the eighth day. Tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the laws of Pharisee, as for zeal, I was persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. Mm. He's reminding them he's elite, he's a top gun, he is best of the best. When your Bible says faultless or blameless, it doesn't mean that he was without sin. It means that he knew and memorized and followed the Old Testament law unlike anybody else. And then he revisits it saying, so what came of it? Verse seven, Mm -hmm. he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, rubbish, doo-doo, is essentially what that word is saying, that I might gain Christ. And so any kind of status or accomplishment or accolades that he accomplished by following the Old Testament law, he's like, it's trash. He said, no one wants Mm -hmm. this trash. You don't want trash in your house. You want trash in your shoe. So why would you stand before God and expect him to honor that? Mm -hmm. And then from there, I'll turn it back to you, Bobby. But he starts getting to this idea of us standing before God and Mm -hmm. us being made new, not because of what you and I did or how good a behavior we we lived and exhibited, but because of Christ in us. Mm -hmm. 9, 10, and 11 sound like this. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the, sorry, resurrection from the dead. So if we go back to that word, um, justification, I think you kind of used that earlier, Mm -hmm. and we kind of try to understand what that means. What is that, Clark? Justified is basically Turn it back over to you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When you and I repent and believe, like legally, we stand before God blameless. And it's not because of what we did. It's because when we repent and believe, the work of Christ on the cross, him living holy and sinlessly is applied to us. And so it's not because we're great, but it's because of Jesus' righteousness that's applied to us. He gives us access to the Father. Father sees Christ in us and his spirit in us. And that's the gift of God. It's his grace. Like recently we were watching the impossible or mission impossibles, mm-hmm. the IMF. Like if, should you be caught, you'll be disavowed. And should you accept this, this mission, it will self-destruct in five seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's like Tom Cruise is not able to get into a ball without the black tux and credentials. It's like, should you accept this mission? So in Christ, it's like Christ clothing us in Christ being our credential. That now when you repent and believe, you have access to the Father, and it's only because of who Jesus is. And this is key because this is what Paul is mentioning in the first few verses. You don't need circumcision. You don't need to tithe a certain amount of money. You don't need to uh, drink a certain amount of liters of water or get so much sun during the day or whatever ridiculous thing you can think of of people who try to better themselves. He's saying you just need to repent and believe. And uh, here's an example from something... more of like our recent American history, there's this leader in the 19th century, the restoration movement in America, his name was Alexander Campbell. He taught that to the believing penitent, baptism by immersion was the means of receiving a formal and distinct specific like absolution or uh, release from guilt. As a result, Hmm. none but those who first believed the testimony of God and had repented of their sins and had been intelligently immersed into his death had like a full testimony of God. So then congregations in in America, these Christian churches, they started to relate to this guy named Campbell's movement, and they continued to insist that you had to be baptized by immersion if you wanted to be saved. And the reason why I bring that up is because I know a lot of you come from Southern California, the Southwest region, and a lot of you, my friends and family, have relatives or friends that come from the Roman Catholic tradition. And I can't tell you how often the pastors here at Emmanuel have conversations with people who are exploring the Christian church and come and are really nervous 
or are scared or preoccupied with like, hey, I need you to baptize my child the second they come out because they're sick or I don't want them to go to hell if they die and we're not able to save them or whatever. And it's like, time out, hold the phone. Let's revisit the scriptures and let's look at what baptism means. And baptism, again, is not because of anything we've done. It's a representing a symbol pointing to the work of the Spirit in the heart of it, the covenant people of God. And so if you look at Titus 3, verse 5, here's some other scriptures that help affirm what Paul is saying here. He's saying, God saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So like there's this Mm -hmm. washing and this cleansing language. It's not like the water doesn't actually cleanse your soul from sin. It's representing the work of the Spirit in the heart of the Christian and the church and the covenant community. 1 Peter 3 verse 21 says, This water that symbolizes baptism, that now saves you also. It's not the removal of dirt from your body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what happens now is when you and I believe in Jesus, and we're growing up in the faith and with the covenant community, we stand justified before God legally. Like the wrath of God's mm-hmm. not going to come upon us because Christ's righteousness is applied to the Christian who repents and believes. Mm-hmm. So then what Paul does now, like in verses 10, 11, is he starts to talk about this thing called sanctification. Mm-hmm. And that, in short, is the journey of becoming like Jesus. Paul wants you to know Jesus intimately. He wants you to have a personal union. When he says the participation in his sufferings, it's not just getting killed for Christ. Mm -hmm. It's also standing for Christ when the world comes at you. In verse 11, he explains that how Jesus was glorified in this and how the church is going to be glorified in it as well. So Paul's Mm going to next talk about our mentality, like where are your eyes looking with eternity and Christ in mind? Okay, get to work. I like that, what you're saying about just right here. I feel like that's a simple, actual explanation for justification for sanctification too, and how those are different. Like those are kind of words that we understand or, or maybe mix up or mush together sometimes. And it's, I, I want to press in too, because I think sometimes whether it's these issues, like we're talking about, whether it's baptism and understanding kind of theological things, um, or if it's even just like works righteousness and mm-hmm. deeds, because I think that's when people are saying like, well, you know, you don't, you don't have to do that you know, Clark and Bobby, you guys don't have to do a podcast. Like you get that. Right. And it's like, yeah, we love doing the podcast. Like it's a privilege and an honor. And it's, it's super fun to be able to talk um, about God and the things of God with you all. And that's not from a place like Clark was saying, where legally it's like, well, we're guilty. So we try to pay back God with these good. No, I think you use the word, like there's these G's. Mm -hmm. And so it's not guilt. It's gratitude out of like who we were and who God has is forming us to be. And, and that's, that's just what it is inside the church. Oh yeah. Like when people come to realize like the goodness and the saving grace of God, it's Mm -hmm. like, I want to do these things, not because I'm being scolded and told and reminded over and over that I need to volunteer to do these things, but because that's what the body of Christ does. Yeah. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. Yeah, it's like when you come to recognize how messed up your heart is, which we should all hopefully be at that place, um, you're like, wow, I'm guilty. I don't deserve these things. I'm guilty. But when you realize we don't deserve these things and God's given them to us, that's when we begin to start getting tastes of God's grace. So you go from guilt to God is so gracious. Mm -hmm. I can't help 
but be gracious to other people. What happens is, is your heart gives birth to gratitude. So from guilt to, oh, God's gracious, to mm-hmm. thank you, God, I'm grateful. Then it's like, how can I use my life to glorify you? Yeah. So what happens now in verses 12 through 16 is Paul's basically saying, get to work. Glorify God with your life. Yeah. And he says, not that I've already attained perfection. I haven't arrived at my goal, but I'm pressing on to take a hold of which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Mm-hmm. Don't consider yourselves like you've arrived yet. Strain forward. Press on toward the goal of winning the prize. God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so it looks like there's a call for us to strain, to look right. ahead, to press into, to reach for Jesus. And I want you to think about what that practically will look like for you today. Hmm. It means actually like going to bed on time on Saturday night so that we can get up on Sunday and be revitalized, rejuvenated, ready to go to worship mm-hmm. because I need you and you need us. It's talking about spending time with God and his word, spending time to pray making intentional efforts to make your life have purpose as you tell those around you about Jesus. And then verse 17, he says, follow my example. Do what I've been doing. I'm your model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And so when you and I come to a place where we're like, I need some help, I need some guidance, ask a a trusted and mature Christian. Ask them, like, what's your rhythm of life like? Mm -hmm. How are you keeping spiritual disciplines? How do you keep the the focus on your relationship with God and not just checking boxes of things that you accomplished, whether it's church attendance or Bible reading, Mm -hmm. because God wants more for you. Mm -hmm. I'll turn it back over to you to wrap up, Bob. Okay, great. So the end here is just talking about what we can expect a little bit. So 18 through 21 sounds like this. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even Mm -hmm. with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his Mm. glorious body. So Paul's saying again, just expect opposition. There's people um, that just don't. There's people that are enemies of you, but not just people. We, we, we know there's a personified evil also. So we trust um, the Lord and Savior who's from the heavenly place that's come to us. And we actually set our minds not on earthly things, but on those heavenly things and on his face. Because he's the one, like we talked about with justification, he's the one that transforms us. He's the one that makes us right before the Lord. He's the one that makes us a whole creation. And he's the one that we get to enjoy in relationship forever. So really good stuff, you guys, from the book of Philippians chapter 3. Thanks for joining us. Yep. What a blessing. Wherever you are today, go in peace, in your car, at work, at home, with your family. And uh, may you be blessed. We'll catch you tomorrow. Adios. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.